Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Hi, I'm Monica, your host today. Welcome to a powerful episode that dives deep into the world of grit, goal setting, and uplifting female relationships. Our guest, Carolyn Miller, is no stranger to overcoming challenges, including overcoming bulimia during her teenage years, which was fueled by the immense pressure she faced due to her family's emphasis on excellence. In this captivating conversation, Carolyn shares her insights on why women sometimes struggle to support each other the impact of mean girls, and how to identify a frenemy. Caroline's expertise draws from extensive research in real-world experience, spanning from Wall Street to prestigious schools. She offers a fresh perspective on self-promotion and reveals the hidden lessons we can learn from a unique tribe of women in Southwest China. Join us for this inspiring and eye-opening journey as we explore the intricacies of female dynamics, tackle the challenges of mean girls and frenemies, and unlock the secrets to becoming empowering leaders. Don't miss out on this opportunity to transform your relationships and elevate your potential. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Carolyn. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, oh, my goodness. I mean, I could go on and on, and I just want to kind of give a brief intro for our audience as we're listening. But you've written so many amazing books. Um, you know, it's just the whole, whole idea around goals and grit. Um, you're a sub- subject matter expert in so many you know areas. And so I'm thrilled to have you here to kind of talk a little bit about, um, well, one, first, your journey. Like, what kind of led you to this work that you're doing, this amazing work that you're doing and all the research and the data that you're gathering? And the unique perspective you have where you work with so many senior women leaders and, you know, help them really get empowered and gain that and continue gaining that success. So I want to like, just open the, let's open the, the conversation with a little bit about your story. What have you learned along the way and really kind of, you know, what led you into, you know, the, the author and subject matter expert that you are today? Um. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I just was thinking about a picture I found um, recently. I drew in crayon in third grade that I wanted to be a swim coach um, and help other people <laughs> learn to swim. And frankly, you know, I've got this long, blonde, curly hair like um, Bewitched. And um, in some ways, I ended up as a swim coach. I'm a coach um, who ha- that helps people learn how to swim through the waters of mm. being successful, overcoming adversity, developing grit, etc. So my story is I grew up in Washington, D.C. My great uncles are the first uh, siblings to go one, two in the Olympics in the same event, 1912. Family um, focus on excellence, um, being successful. To the point where I had stupid grit in pursuing it, I ended up with bulimia back when it was starting to just take over the world, and um, mm. but there was no cure for it. So I suffered in silence from 15 to 22, um, but always looking for somebody who knew something about it. And the problem mm-hmm. was 
people didn't know. So when mm-hmm. Karen Carpenter died, I hit my last bottom. Um, and that's when I realized I had to find a way to save my own life because I knew it would kill me. I was married. I thought marriage would cure me. I married um, my my college boyfriend from Harvard. He was captain of lacrosse team. And I thought, perfect. He's handsome. He's, he's this. You know, I'll, I'll get better. And, and I got worse. And so I hit my last bottom. And in the process of recovering from bulimia one day at a time, I cultivated grit for the first time. I had had success and talent, but not grit. I was a billboard with nothing behind it. And um, in the process of doing so, I learned how to set hard goals, overcome um, obstacles, huge obstacles, help other people to accomplish goals. And, um, and then I found myself in school at the age of 45 at Penn in the first ever Masters of Applied Positive Psychology program because I was looking for research to support mm-hmm. my executive coaching practice. Up to that moment, coaching was the wild, wild west. There was no real substance to the coach. I mean, I hate saying it, but that's true. And it is, uh, it is true. Anybody can say they're a coach. It's very scary. Um, yes. so I wanted some substance. I wanted learning. I wanted knowledge. And when I got to Penn, the, it blew the doors off my brain because I learned that there was something called goal setting theory, Locke and Latham. And I found that all my coach training, all the books I'd read, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, all of them, all of them, Tony Robbins, were all snake oil, all yeah. of them, <laughs> and all written by white men. And mm-hmm. there's a confirmation bias in the field of goal setting where many people want to learn from white men. And mm. so my capstone project at Penn that year, it's one of many pieces of research that just changed my life. Um, I wrote something that became the book, Creating Your Best Life. And it was the first evidence-based goal-setting book ever published for the mass market, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. I still, it rocks me. It's like, how could the world be setting goals without science? How could so many companies that, anyway, that's a long story. So anyway, and then I got fascinated in grit, met Angela Duckworth. I thought, okay, now I got to understand grit. That was my seventh book, led me to my Mm -hmm. eighth book which is about women supporting women, because I am Mm -hmm. staggered by the numbers of women who say they support other women, but who don't. And I've come to believe it's the hidden hidden hand that is pulling Mm -hmm. many of us backwards, that is too taboo to talk about. And um, I realize I have nothing to lose and everything to gain by bringing the research on that to the world. So that's me. That's who I am. I love that, Carolyn. And and I mean, gosh, there's so many threads I could pull on here. But I do want to talk a little bit about what you said, the the thing around taboo, because we talk so much where we're trying to educate our women that the power of community and leveraging your community to get ahead is one of those secret sauces, right? The good old boys network of like, that's how they get ahead of they'll raise their hand for a role that they know 20%, (laughs) they they know 20% of they'll leverage their network to close the gap on the other 80%. But we run into this phenomenon sometimes with women in terms of, one, we don't leverage our network the way that we should. We don't ask mm-hmm. for what we need. But then really kind of, the you know, earning that support of mentors and sponsors, but truly other individuals that are going to lift you up and really help you navigate opposed to, you know, like you said, the hidden hand of like, I have my hand outreach, but am I really going to invest in helping that individual? So can we right. talk a little bit about that where... Uh- <laughs> I've talked to, I, I've written about it before in terms of the whole kind of barrel, yeah. you know, crabs in a barrel where when someone's, when a crab starts getting out yeah. or a lobster starts getting out, they get pulled down by the other crabs. Yeah. Sometimes that 
needs to happen and nobody talks about it. So I'd love to hear yeah. your expertise because you do have like research. It's research based. So let's talk a little yeah. bit about that. What have you discovered? What have you learned? You know, I, I'm going to tell you a story and then start to answer that. About um, seven years ago, there was a message um, of a new network that started in Washington, D.C. for all graduates of both Harvard and Yale, undergrad, grad programs, didn't matter, but a women's salon series devoted to talking about topics of interest to women, just a place to go. Mm-hmm. Where we would learn how to be better, more successful, um, et cetera, et cetera. The first topic they picked was women undermining other women. First topic, they, you know, mm-hmm. right out of the gate. And it was a free-for-all to get a ticket, absolute free-for-all. More people didn't get in than did get in. And it was just astonishing to me. I got in there, and it solidified my concerns that I'd seen throughout my career, throughout my sporting career, throughout my life, that there really is an issue with women not supporting other women. But what I what I vowed to do, because I am evidence-based, is I didn't want to talk about it any longer because I felt like we were making the problem more beautiful without any evidence as to why we do this, what we're going to do about it. Um, I watched every video by Deborah Tannen, and even she was just, you know, um, tongue-tied when she was asking audiences what to do about it. And she just was tongue-tied, you know, like, I don't know, give it a break, maybe try again. Um, so I found that there were not a lot of solutions. So um, what do we do? Women are brought up starting very young, hearing stories of women taking care of others, being affiliative and communal. These are the stories that we're, cut, we're cutting our teeth on. Boys are taught mm-hmm. to be physically aggressive, to fight, to make up, you know, to go on from there. But because it's okay for them to be physically aggressive and girls are, are taught not to be physically aggressive, to be nice, um, they mm-hmm. become aggressive and they learn to leave no fingerprints in the ways in which they talk about shun Mm. um put down other women and this there's research on this this is why in organizations women who are assigned to be mentors of other women actually don't mentor those women and katie couric very famously said in her autobiography that she absolutely refused to mentor other women especially um i'm blanking on her name ash ashley um She said it would have been career suicide for her to lift other women. And so one of the things that we do is we don't uplift other women and men don't spot it or see it or begin to believe culturally, it's called biosocial theory, that this is the way women are. We just are mean girls. And it's so Mm. accepted that there are high school musicals all over the country right now called Mean Girls, where people are going in and paying money to sit there and see this being enacted. It's just, that's the way girls are. Madeline Albright was one of the mothers I grew up with. I grew up watching her go from mother back to school to be a professor to being, I think, the highest ranking woman in the history of government. She never lost her bitterness about the ways in which my mother's group pulled her down. To the day she died, she was angry about the ways in which she was belittled, demeaned, undermined, and put down. For that reason, in the Obama White House, they created a strategy of going into meetings ahead of time with the idea, I will promote Susan's ideas. Let's amplify, you know, Jody's ideas. If she says it, let's all repeat it, the amplification strategy. And so we grow up hearing stories of this. Now, that is underscored by the Tend to Me Friend research. We are wired as women to show up when other women are hurting, when they've lost a boyfriend, Mm. when their relationships go south, when they lose that job, when they're disappointed, when their diet doesn't work. What do women do? We are wired with oxytocin to tend and befriend. We are there for you when you lose. 
but we mm. don't have this concurrent wiring that we have learned yet because it's learnable. We just haven't done it yet to believe and achieve. We are not um, brought up to see that her win is also my win. And so there's mm. biosocial reasons for that. There's scarcity theory, which has some wiring where animals, female animals will kill younger primates who are in estrus because they are competing with them for the attention of the man in the pack. They're religious mm. reasons. Women are put down. They have to be modest. They can't have opinions. They're honor killings. There's linguistic reasons. If there's no word in a culture that means being happy because you're happy, that other person's happy, that behavior won't exist either. So the opposite mm. of schadenfreude, I spent 15 years going all over the world after Chris Peterson said in our class at Penn, okay, guys, I'm stumped. Is there any opposite to the word schadenfreude? And we all sat there, like 32 of us from all over the world, like, no. So I was on a mission to figure out where was that word, and I found it in Australia. Um, it is fergun, and it's a Hebrew word, which mm. means joy, other person's joy. Now, Brene Brown is starting to, to go with a made-up word, Freud and Freud, but really the word exists, mudita in Sanskrit. But if uh -huh. the word doesn't exist, the behavior doesn't either. So there's linguistic reasons, there's biological reasons, there's cultural reasons. It has become mm -hmm. something that we don't see happening when we look up. And so I don't think most people know, if you listen to primatologists, mothering is learned by watching the older women in the tribe. It is not mm -hmm. an eight. Yeah. I thought it was an eight. It is not. And so mm -hmm. if we learn how to parent appropriately... Why aren't we teaching our young girls through workshops, through taking shows like Real Housewives of Whatever off, off the television airwaves? Why are we watching them? Why are we patronizing right. mean girls? Mean Girls opened at the Kennedy Center the day of Madeleine Albright's funeral. I thought she'd be going like this in her grave if she had any idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not changing. And mm -hmm. so I have very specific ideas on how to change it. That's how I got so interested. I saw my daughter, her friends came in from Brown University, sat in my kitchen, and I would talk about what I was researching. And they're all dealing with meagles. I just spoke at an amazing, and I do mean an amazing school, the Ursuline Academy in New Rochelle, on the first mm -hmm. day of Women's History Month. And these extraordinary women are on Wall Street. I mean, they're doing amazing things. And at some, and I talked about this, and I said, "How many of you deal with mean girls here, um, on any kind of regular basis?" And there were thirteen superstars from that school in that room, and they all raised their hand. And the teachers mm -hmm. just looked around, like, "What? We're not mm -hmm. allowed to talk about it because if we don't say that the sisterhood is supporting us." If we say that somehow the sisterhood is broken in some ways, we mm -hmm. will be thrown out of the tribe. We will be excommunicated. And because of that oxytocin flow going through our veins, that is the worst thing that can happen to a woman. You must right. at all times say the sisterhood is there for you. It exists. And the bad people are the patriarchy. And you know what? They are bad in many ways. But it's right. about and because we're not talking about it, I believe it's pulling us back and causing some of those numbers like the World Economic Bureau talks about. It yes. was, most people think that we're going to see time travel before we see gender parity. Huh? That's insane. 
The number of Fortune 500 and Fortune 50 CEOs has gone backwards. We have stagnated in the last 15 years. And then one Mm -hmm. more thing I just want to say. In my field of positive psychology, in the last, I'd say, six to 10 years, um, Case and Deaton, Angus Case and Ann Deaton, economists, came out with research on diseases of despair and how women were beginning to die earlier at midlife than previous generations, than our mothers or our grandmothers. I remember thinking, okay, as an expert in positive psychology, I know the research on how to make people happier, give them more purpose, improve their gratitude, help them set goals. I get that. But how am I going to reach out and help my sisters to stop dying at midlife because they don't feel like they have purpose? They're Mm -hmm. all dying in silos from eating disorders, alcoholism, depression, suicide, opioids, and they're dying alone. And that's why I began to focus on the Shalane effect. Um, Mm. And I built off that and a lot of the research to come up with what I think will work. But we've got to stop dying alone. We have to start living together. Mm -hmm. That is so um, powerful, insightful in terms of really understanding, like, in a sense, get out of our own way, right? And, And kind of help lift each other up. Like we all we all rise when we kind of do that. But how do you help? Like, where do we start? How do we help others unlearn? these uh-huh. kind of the social norms or these kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, um, even what we could call almost systemic barriers that kind of have organically um, cultivated us to kind of think this way and do this way. Because I would see it a lot in corporate America because you would see where it's like there's fewer roles at the top. And yeah. so it's like turns yeah. into this competition thing. Yeah. And if and if I help so-and-so, they're going to like, that's gonna that's gonna even undermine myself, right? Yeah. So so how do where do we start? Like how does you know how do we all start really creating awareness about this? But where do we start? <laughs> okay, <laughs> million dollar question. I mean, the first thing is they have to listen to this podcast and and uh, you know understand that if we talk about it, it's not like we're betraying other women. That we're saying there is no sisterhood. We all have best friends. Um, yes, I hope. We all know that women often are our soft place to fall. That's tend and be friends. So we have mm-hmm. to acknowledge that we don't always clap, cheer, share, elevate, inspire other women when another woman succeeds. And that's just mm-hmm. a fact. And here's the trial balloon to send up to find out who has your back. It is Shelley mm-hmm. Gable's research from the University of California, Santa Barbara. She found... Mm-hmm. And the research is called What Happens Between Friends When Things Go Right. So how compelling is that title? And Mm. she found that when you say something that you're excited about, a goal, a dream, a bit of success, something great that happened to you, if you share that with somebody else and they do not respond with curiosity and enthusiasm, and let's say that's the first person you've shared it with, you're likely Mm -hmm. to abandon that goal in the next one to two weeks. Mm. And most women, 84%, say that they're surrounded by frenemies, friends who are enemies. Again, there is this unconscious acceptance of that's just the way women are. I got to have them around me because, you know, my mom, my aunt, my sister-in-law, my sister, my best friend, you know, they mean to be happy for me, but, you know, maybe it's a bad day. Fact of the Mm. matter is, if you just even make up a piece of good news, watch and see does someone respond with curiosity and enthusiasm or are they passive aggressive, passive destructive, active destructive? Um, all of those other responses are the tell 
that they shouldn't be in your life or shouldn't be close. And my concern about women's groups, especially when we're assigned to things like lean-in groups or whatever it is, is we don't know the history of those women. We don't know if they walk the walk. And the only mm-hmm. way to know if they walk the walk is maybe check their social media feed. How many women have they amplified? Get to mm-hmm. know them a little bit because women shut down when they don't, when they're not sure if another woman has her back. It's not a confidence mm-hmm. issue. Trust me, I've looked at this research and I'm in the book, The Confidence Code. I know Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman. This is more recent mm-hmm. research on confidence. Women have lots of confidence. Why wouldn't we? We're smart. We're, there are more of us in classes doing well, getting PhDs than men. Um, but what we don't know is who is going to knife us in the back when we share something on LinkedIn about we got a promotion. We got mm-hmm. a big speech. We were asked to speak at um, the Milken um, event. Mm-hmm. Know how few likes women get when they post things like that, as opposed to post, post, posting something about their kids. A lot right. of women began to tell me about that and say how hurtful it was. In fact, I've got more emails from women who told me they wrote their first book, they mentored women through Elevate or something else into their own businesses. They did so many things to support other women. And when they had their big breakout moment, the phones were silent. Mm. Emails didn't exist. And it broke their hearts. And so I think women don't know who has their back. And that's why I believe the answer is strategically formed mastermind groups. Not any mastermind groups, but groups where women learn that they have a soft place to fall and these other women won't interrupt them, will allow them to be experts in whatever their domain is. Um, We begin to code gatherings like that and conversations like that as higher quality when we're in those environments, um, when we have psychological safety. And when that happens, women take more risks, creative and personal, which allows Mm -hmm. them to explore and do new things, start new businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what my solution is. And it's completely evidence-based. And I was really surprised that this book hasn't been written. So I made it a quick 40-page download. Um, on my website, mm. I just want everyone to read it in two hours and start a mastermind group. Just start one. Start one according to what the research says will work, not just your friends. Maybe your friends right. shouldn't be in it. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of what would you suggest in terms of like a daily habit or maybe a ritual of really kind of almost calling your current community kind of like mm-hmm. to surround yourself with those individuals who are going to lift you up. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes we've heard the old adage too, where some people are like, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Right. And that almost fuels this idea of like, um, you know, this fake kind of like, oh, we're close, but I'm not going to support you or I'm yeah. going to undermine you and some of those things. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what would you suggest for individuals to, if they were going to do an inventory of their, mm-hmm. you know, the, the nuclear community uh, to really understand who is going to lift me up and who is going to be that soft place for me to fall? 
Well, I think the trial balloon, you know, float a piece of, you know, good news and just see how other people respond. Ideally, you want them to amplify that, to turn around and tell someone else or to say, can mm. I post it on my social media feed? Um, I think what we also want to do is find out what other people's goals and dreams are, because mm. I posit that you don't really know someone unless you know what their goals and dreams are. What is it they're aiming to do in the next five to 10 years? Where do they want to go that no one has heard yet? So find out what other people need and ask them how you can support them. What can I do for you? What phone call can I make? And then if somebody has a piece of good news and they haven't said it yet, but you heard about it, go to them and say, can I post it? Can I post it? Can I share it? These women will be floored. My my, e my email box has, ex has just exploded at times when I put that out there. Um, and they've said, mm -hmm. I can't believe you're putting out there that we could do this. So that's a habit. Find out what other women's goals and dreams are. Ask them how you can support them in concrete ways. And here's another one. I think mentorship and sponsorship and allyship are good. But mm -hmm. I was wondering why they weren't moving the needle more. Because I thought with all this investment and time and talk about it, is there a missing piece? And I found a missing piece. And so mm -hmm. I made up a word for it. Um, I believe that those are great initiatives. The problem is there is no definition of any of those terms that requires doing it in public with witnesses. And mm. I started to hear from a lot of women I coach and men who would say that there was a mean girl on a board who always blocked other women from getting on, but she was the first person to be interviewed for podcasts like this, who would talk mm -hmm. about how much she mentors and sponsors other women, but she didn't. And so what I discovered is that the word amplship is the only one I can think of because I had to make it up, <laughs> is that mm -hmm. if you amplify the good news or success or big idea of another woman and you do it with witnesses, mm -hmm. that's when there's real evidence that you are that woman who walks the walk. Mm. It's just far too easy to say you do those behaviors. And it was Adam Grant who sent me the research on this. Adam Grant said Phenomenal. to me, yeah. studies were stopping in organizations on mentorship where they found lots of women who said they mentored, but they couldn't find the mentees. Mm -hmm. So it turned into a qualitative bit of research. It's too easy. So amplify other women. People who witness it feel better. They think yeah. this is an organization where this happens. I mean, it'll go wild on Glassdoor, you know? So mm -hmm. that's one of the other things that you can do. There's a lot of ideas in this book. It's cheap. It put me in the hospital when I, when I finished. <laughs> I was admitted to the hospital with cytomegalovirus because I was so undone by what mm -hmm. I was thinking and writing, thinking, how could we be here? I remember the ERA marches in D.C. growing up, and here we are losing reproductive rights and freedom. What? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, what, what it made me think about is this idea, too, that women struggle with this, the idea or the art of self-promotion. But I also, when you were saying, like, if you do some, a little bit of this, um, you know, um, uh, you know, amplifying others, which is easier yes. to kind of self-promote and lift others up that, you know, in a sense, maybe others can help, you know, help you. And there's like a, this idea of reciprocity a little bit. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about 
though the struggles that women have in terms of self-promoting themselves yes. um, and yes. then maybe leveraging, leveraging this to kind of like, hey, you help me and I'll help you. <laughs> Well, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought, brought back to us, especially the point I didn't pick up on, keep your enemies closer. That is what women yeah. do. Um, men do that too, but it doesn't impact them the same way. Again, a lot of the research on leadership, motivation, success that's out there in books and all does work for men. But only recently, in the last decade or two, have people like me started to ask, can you give me the breakdown on gender? And that's when you find out this humility thing doesn't work. It doesn't work for women. It works right. very well for men. Um, mm-hmm. That's just one example of many. But yeah. um, one of the things that Catalyst, I saw on the Catalyst website, big, bold face, if you can't promote yourself, who can? And I mm-hmm. sat here and screamed at my computer screen, other women can. And it may yes. have to be an explicit agreement when women self-promote they suffer a social penalty, and it's called the black sheep effect. You mm-hmm. will be scorned, undermined, criticized, and belittled, not just by men, but by other women, because you have dared to break the gender stereotype. The ones that we learn as little girls, girls are not ambitious. This is one area that um, a researcher at Northwestern, I'm blanking on her name, Alice Summit, Alice Egley. She's found that in the workplace in the last 30 years, where have women made the least research, in fact, zero research, in the areas of agency, personal agency, goal mm-hmm. setting. And so when women self-promote and are ambitious and proud, they will suffer. I can't mm-hmm. change that right now. What I can suggest is that you have agreements with other women. I've got a number of women we have agreements where if something good happens, they ask me to promote it somewhere. One mm-hmm. woman got the top award in her country, and she asked me to get a number of women together to sit in the front row and clap as she got her award, because she was afraid no one would clap for her, because the person who gave her award behind the scenes said he was tired of seeing women come up for this award and have other women criticize them. Um, and, and make sure they didn't get it. By the way, that's called the kicking and climbing research. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty bad out there. If you just think a woman will be a great mentor, if you go into a field, any male dominated field where you look up and it's mostly a hierarchy of men, what you'll find are women who often say things like, I'm more like a man than a woman. I'm more like a man. They weakly identify with their gender. When you see that and you see these professions, what you see is kicking and climbing, not climbing and lifting. And so this is happening in an invisible way. Talk about the leaky middle pipeline. This is where some of the research is pointing to, is that these female mentors or the people who should be uplifting these talented, ambitious, proud, successful women are actually kicking and climbing not climbing and lifting. And I think we're Mm. doing it unconsciously. I think we need to educate ourselves about the fact that there is a biological piece to it. There's a cultural piece to it. There's a religious piece to it. There's linguistic piece to it. There's a lot of pieces to it, but we can do better. And I found two places where women are doing better. Um, So I feel Mm. like I'm going all over the map, but I do want to say- No, no, no. Is the Masu tribe in Southwest Mm -hmm. China where women have all the power, all the power. Mm -hmm. 
you know, they're in charge of the laws and the real estate and the banking. And if a woman gets pregnant, the man has to join her family. She doesn't join him. They have walking marriages. Sociologists get in buses to go study them because it's mm-hmm. so unusual. What they find is on festival days, the women in the Masu tribe are wearing many colors. They're happy. You know, they're jubilant. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about being in black so that no one will criticize how they look or, you know, do I look out of step? They look happy. They support each other. Another thing they notice is they stand up straight and look in each other's eyes. Isn't mm. that interesting? Yeah. So, and there's an island off, I think, Estonia, where they've, they've also found that women have the power. So if it's so hardwired and so biological that we go, that's just the way women are. How come there are these places where it's not happening? It's because mm-hmm. it's become part of the culture. So I yeah. said, let's get rid of mean girls. Let's stop talking about the fact that that's just the way they are. And when somebody you know gets something you wish you had, mm-hmm. overcome that twinge of envy and say, that's great. Tell me more. We all have that. I don't care who you are. I gave this speech at a big international company. Afterwards, this highly placed accountant, a woman, a partner, one of the big firms said, I want to go back to Caroline Miller's talk for one second because I was a mean girl for 15 years and I made sure no women coming behind me at this big firm succeeded. Mm-hmm. And a man looked at me and said, why are you doing this? And she said, I, ch- I changed that day. And that was the bravest admission I've ever heard in public. We right. do all do this with very few exceptions. We can begin to develop the habits of being better and the women mm-hmm. behind us will find that there's an expectation that this is how we, how we are and amplership will become the norm and it'll be on performance reviews. In yeah. this company, when you're reviewed, how many other women did you amplify? Mm-hmm. I love that. And the, the whole idea around amplifyship of, well, normalizing that we all, and probably because of these social norms, be it cultural or or whatever it is that we've learned, um, how do we disrupt that, right? So you're saying that in the moment that you have the twinge of envy, disrupt yeah. yourself and say, tell me more and force yourself to kind of like help amplify and lift mm-hmm. others up. And little by little, you'll change, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, you have to change your behaviors, change your actions, and the feelings will follow, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. afterwards. Um, you know, I love that. I think it's very tangible. But I love that you normalized it, that we all feel that, right? We all in some moments, know. it's not even envy. It's kind of like, it's more like, uh, like, you know, I want, because we're all ambitious, right? And it's just like, I want to be kind be. Of, you yeah. know, doing those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think we do it unconsciously. I want to let a lot of us off the hook a little bit because mm-hmm. we haven't seen this done. I've had women tell me, well, I would do that behavior that you're talking about if I saw other women doing it. You know, okay. Um, but ha- I think we normalize it by beginning to start that behavior and override this temptation to say something bitchy or mean or, you know, unkind about that person. And we need to be more like um, the great thing I saw on television in 2019. It went viral is when uh, it was the very last like two or three people in the Miss Universe pageant and they announced the winner. And this gorgeous, and the winner was Miss Jamaica. And this gorgeous, tall, elegant woman in a green ball gown raises her hands 
and goes, yes. And then she runs in a circle around the contestants. And the announcer's going, she didn't win. Her friend, Miss Jamaica, won. And that little clip, why don't more women do this for each other, went wild. And mm-hmm. the comments, you can look it up. Miss, um, Miss Nigeria being happy for Miss Jamaica. An extraordinary little clip. There were thousands, yeah. if not tens of thousands of comments saying, why don't more women do this for each other? We can try on that behavior. And I'm going to go back to being a positive psychology expert. It feels better. And when we up our positive emotions, when we see ourselves as somebody who is a giver, somebody who is, um, you know, a nice person, a kind person, it begins to feed on itself. And we all know we need five positives to one negative in order to be flourishing human beings. It feels better and it becomes addictive to be that person. It felt awkward Mm. for me at first, but I'll tell you something else I did is I cleaned out the dead wood of the women in my life who, when I hung up the phone, I just felt worse. And sometimes your mother... (laughs) Sometimes in your family, it's sometimes the people you think should be happy for you. And I wish I had a buck for that every time someone said it was their mother or their sister. So I began to put in containers the people I needed to have in my life, but who always had something snarky to say. Mm. Something good happened to me. And I was just out pruning lavender, cutting off the dead wood before this. Mm -hmm. And we have to cut the dead wood out of our lives or mm-hmm. it does, we don't bloom. We just won't bloom. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. I love that analogy. It made me remind of uh, it just recently, right? Jamie Lee Curtis, when she was like yes. ecstatic that so-and-so yes. won an Oscar. And it was like, find your Jamie. Find your Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis. It's yeah. going to celebrate you in that way. And yeah. I, I think it was beautiful. But we need more of those examples of leading, like you said, well, I'll do it if others start doing it. But yeah. we need to lead by example and show that whole idea of shining the spotlight, highlighting others, celebrating them so that we kind of, you know, yeah. we all rise, that we, you know, as, as the tide itself rises. Well, I love I that. When that went viral, so many people sent it to me. And the conversation we had about it is there's always this air of shock. Like, mm-hmm. did this really happen? Did this woman really do this for other women? <laughs> do you think there are any dialogues that are coexisting about men? No, they're not. Why do we see mm-hmm. this as like a unicorn? So I think we should take a look at that <laughs> and mm-hmm. take a look at put trying on the acting as if. And that's how I overcame my bulimia. I looked around in restaurants mm-hmm. at people who were eating normal portions. And I thought, that looks like a normal portion. And I'm going to pretend that, that I'm normal for this meal. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, about 40 years of recovery, something worked. Mm, I love that. Um, oh, my gosh. I could go on forever and ever, but I know we have to wrap up. So I'm going to dive into our lightning round questions to oh. learn a little bit more about you and maybe even some of the, you know, uh, things that, that, you know, light you up that will others can kind of uh, embrace. So I'm going to start off with what book has greatly influenced you? Oh, wow. Um, so many. Stop, Caroline, just think. Little Women. I mm. love the fact that there were four women in that book. I read that book over and over and over again. But I'm going to throw in CEO Excellence by three McKinsey partners. I haven't okay. just read it three times. I've listened to it and I have it on a Kindle. It's that good. Mm, okay. I love that one. 
Um, what is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? You can't keep what you don't give away. Mm, I love that. And it's so aligned with what we're saying. It's like you've got to give away the, you know, the the helping self-promote and I mean promote others. And, you know, it's it's I love it. There's so many things yeah. that we can pull from that. <laughs> yes. What is one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? Fun. Fun. Yes. And I feel the energy. It's been fun having you on this podcast so yeah. far. Yeah. Um, what is one change, a habit, behavior, action that you implemented that you implemented that made your life better? Just what we were talking about. When I heard about another woman's success, I trained myself to be happy and enthusiastic about it. And now it is the most natural behavior in my life. Mm, I love that you said train yourself because the hardest part I think of learning is unlearning what we typically do and then retraining yourself or filling that void with something more positive. And I love that. It's an exercise. It's a muscle we have to build. Um, And and I love it. I think I need to start like uh, flexing that muscle a lot more myself and catching myself in those moments and just, you know, saying, um, let's lift others. I love it. So here's what you do that. I just want to say in your role, if you do that, you are going to be um, one of those positive energizers that studied the University of Michigan, who has such an impact on people, it's almost unmeasurable. You're one of those positive energizers who could make this go viral. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, thank you. Here's my favorite. So you are step you step out onto a lot of stages. That's how I I met you and was like enamored with what you know your subject matter expertise. But when you step out onto that stage, what is that power song you want playing in the background? I want to say I am woman hear me roar, Helen Reddy. Oh, I love it. Yes, ignore. my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good one. I right? love it. Yeah. Oh my God, that has been, that is phenomenal. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much. I mean, this has been such an, uh, such an in, insightful and kind of really just creating some awareness around some of the things that we do. But I mean, for me, it's left me with a lot of kind of um, things that I like, I need to drill down into this and I need to start leading by example, but also really, you know, um, I want to pick your brain. I'm sure we'll, we'll be connected in the future, but, you know, just really also, layering in some of that, you know, what does that mean from a cultural nuance perspective? Like, you know, do Latinas do this more or, you know, Mm. or, you know, is it easier? Those types of things. So food for thought, I will be certainly following up with you on that. But in the interim, we get this all the time. And I'm sure women who've listened to this, um, you've piqued um, people's brains a lot more. They're going to want to connect with you, learn more from you. And I know that you talked about, you know, your book that, you know, books and, how can people follow you, get your books, get more information on this idea of lifting others up and yeah. really kind of the amplify ship or am- what? Ampl- ampl- ship. Ampl- ampl- ship. Yes. <laughs> it had yes. to be made I love up. It. We're going to make it. So we're going to make it a word. Yeah. Yes. How can they follow you? Um, well, they can follow me on LinkedIn. That's easy. Mm-hmm. My name is my website. And from there, all good things flow. So carolinemiller.com. Um, this book... Um, this book um, is the book, I Have Your Back Success Groups. It's um, mm-hmm. a download on my website for, I think, okay. $14. Dollars. 
it is an explicit guide to the research on why we need to do this and um, how to do it within two hours. <laughs> You'll have all the evidence you need to take it to HR, do it for yourself, start one today and do it by this book. Um, <laughs> and then um, I run CEO retreats and leadership retreats at my beautiful beach house on the ocean in Rehoboth Beach. And I have a lot of people and women asking their companies to pay for them to to come here and do it. You know how important it is. Um, women yes. are seemingly asking, asking to be reimbursed for their coaching and their leadership training. And what a great Absolutely. it is, right? And we were talking about this. And sometimes if they don't get a yes, they dig into their own pockets. And boy, do they see the results. Absolutely. I mean, we, we are a big proponent here on really helping people shift their mindset on investing in themselves because we are the biggest return on investment that we can make, right? Absolutely. You can put that money, put it in a, put it in a, in a savings account and you're going to earn single digit, you know, percentage points. But if you invest in yourself, yep. you are going to multiply that a hundred times fold. So, um, so yeah, I totally think that is something we should all consider doing is investing in ourselves and asking our companies to also reimburse us and invest um, uh, in ourselves. So, it yeah. has been a pleasure having you on, Carolyn. There's so much more. We probably need to have a part two at some point. Uh, that So I'll be okay. reaching out on you on that. On um, Let's do again, one on grit. Yes, on absolutely on grit and, and also your whole idea around goal theories. There's so many places we yeah. could go. So I'm yeah. certainly going to be reaching out to you because there's uh, I think there's some master classes in, in those in and of itself that we can that we yeah, can un unpack. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. And um, we will be in touch. Have a good time at your conference. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at GoBeyondBarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.